this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. Welcome back to yet another episode of the London is Blue Podcast. I'm Nick, joined by Abdullah and Jesse, as usual, to look at a fairly routine victory for Chelsea over Birmingham City. We're also joined by a special guest, and I will let Jesse do the intros. Yeah, we're joined by uh, Craig Hadley today, women's football writer and acting chair of the Birmingham City Women's Supporters Group. But as well as that, he's also a Chelsea men's fan. So, Craig, how how do you end up supporting Chelsea in men's football but then picking Birmingham in the women's game? Um, well, I, I didn't really... I'm not originally from London, so that, that's part of it. And then... Um, in about 97, I was um, inspired by Gianfranco Zola to start supporting Chelsea, which mm. which is a be- good as reason as any, really. Mm. But uh, So I've supported Chelsea f- since then, and then I wasn't really that much of a um, noticeable fan of women's football before then. But then um, when I went to university in about 2010, I started doing some uh, sports coverage for their, their paper on um, women's football. And then I got into it from there, and then I, I looked for the, my closest team at the, that point in Birmingham City, and then... When I got to see, similar to the Jim Franco Zola thing, really, with um, Karen Carney, I started, um, really Mm. liked what I saw from her. So I started supporting Birmingham City and then the rest is history through the the good times and the bad times. (laughs) Karen Carney, uh, as good a reason as any as well, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, Kaz is a a, uh, massive massive uh, reason for a lot of Chelsea fans to support Chelsea. So, uh, (laughs) look, uh, what we're going to cover today... Uh, is essentially just the dominant 5-0 win over Birmingham City to keep us second going into the international break. Uh, Sam Kerr celebrates her new contract with a first-half hat trick, and we got it, folks, a backflip, finally. We got a a really, really good one. Uh, Nice freeze frame from Chelsea on that as well. And then, uh, of course, we will wax lyrical about Fran Kirby and her 100th goal for Chelsea Football Club, uh, becoming the first women's player to do so. And talk a little Lauren James. We, we finally have a little bit to, to talk about on that front as well. Uh, so lots to pack into this one. Obviously, as you know, Chelsea will be heading into an, another international break after this game, which is terrible and I hate it, but that is what it is. Uh, but first, before we dive into all the goodness, we have to do the three-word match review. Uh, and Kate, straight out of the gate, bringing fire. No mercy FC. <laughs> Like, just straight to the point there. I like that. Ganazagina with hat trick backflip, which I like a lot. Uh, I think that is probably my winner on this. Uh, Mike from Rhode Island with Clean Shoot FC. And then YYC Lee with perfect contract celebration. I, yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's very good. That's clever. That's clever. Uh, and then basically everyone on Twitter is Frank Kirby all the way. Super Frank Kirby, Super Fran 100, Frank Kirby Queen, Blue legend Fran, everything to celebrate Fran Kirby because she is just unbelievable. So that brings us to us. What do we think about this in a three-word match review? And Abdullah, you're going to go first. I wish I was going to go last because I was still trying <laughs> to think of it. But, you know, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go very vanilla. I'm going to go very plain and I'm going to say clean and clinical because that performance was as clean as you can get, as clinical as you can get. Kerr scores a hat trick. Kirby gets her hundredth goal. I mean, you know, uh, Lauren James gets gets her, you know, gets gets the minutes on the pitch. You know, WSL debut. So you know, you couldn't have asked for more there. Jesse, what about you? I'm gonna go with Sammy Franny Wami because <laughs> you know <laughs> they did the biz. 
They I know they do it all the time, but we should still celebrate it. Absolute gem of, of that one. I like that. Um, Craig, do you, do you have a three-word match review? Do you have something that, that sums up today and in, in your feelings? Better second half. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. I mean, certainly, certainly did not allow a whole lot in the second half. Uh, I went with offense clicking again. It just looked more natural, more flowing. Just It seemed like players were moving more effectively, especially in the first half. It just felt like Chelsea of, of last year, finally, uh, after some struggles. So, look, we're covering the Birmingham City match review that happened on Sunday, the 21st of November, in the Women's Super League at Kings Meadow, back at Kings Meadow a little bit after some time away. Chelsea 5, Birmingham 0. Uh, goal scorers of Kirby in the 4th minute and 75th minute. Kerr in the 18th minute, 29th minute, and 44th minute. First half hat trick from Sam Kerr. Uh, Jesse, you want to take us through the lineup? Yeah, so... We got um, AKB in goal. Great to see. I know there was, you know, a couple of worries after the City game about, you know, maybe what our fitness was. So it's, it's really great to see her back in the team so quickly. Then our back three of Bright, Jess Carter and Magda Eriksson. We had Aaron Cuthbert at right wing back and Guru Wright at left wing back um, with Melanie Lloypoltz pairing up with Drew Spence for the dub double pivot. I thought Drew actually had a really good game today as well. Um, and then our kind of, what's been a familiar front three with um, Penila Harder out, of Jesse Fleming, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby. And then coming off the bench um, in the game, a uh, noticeable one uh, was Lauren James, who came on at around 70 minutes. And then we also saw John Anson and Beth England come on for, I think it was Guru, Fran, and Jesse were the three players who went off kind of for the last 10 minutes. Craig, do you want to take us through the Birmingham lineup and maybe point out for, for those of us not indoctrinated in, in all things Birmingham City, uh, kind of which players that you would have been looking out for ahead of this game? Yeah, no problem. Um, with this this lineup that I have got, I don't know if they're in the right positions, but I'll, I'll try and put it how I thought I, I, thought I saw it anyway. Uh, Marie Hurahan in goal, uh, Rebecca Holloway at left back, uh, Cecilia Sandev, uh, also... Harriet Scott and Louise Quinn in the middle of the defence, and then uh, Libby Smith at right back. Then Lisa Robertson and Christy Murray in the midfield with Jade Pennock, Sarah Ewans, and Lucy Quinn uh, as a front three, or like maybe more of a 4 5 1 realistically against Chelsea. But um, I think in terms of the players you were looking for to make a difference, would have been somewhere like Jade Pennock, obviously, Via Trikisari, who was on the bench and came on. Um, and uh, Sarah Ewins, who's been injured for a number of games, but she's been back in recent games and has looked like the more likely person who's going to get something up, up front for us. But uh, she didn't get much, many chances today. Abdullah, do you want to take us through the stats and how and how Chelsea came out uh, on top in this one? So we always say the stats give us, uh, you know, stats work better with context. But in this case, I think it gives us a whole story. I mean, 25 shots versus Birmingham's two, 13 on target versus Birmingham's one. I mean, that in itself is is a huge differential and I think told the story of the game with with, with the scoreline as well. 76% possession, almost three times the, the number of passes, 601 to 200, 82% pass accuracy, eight fouls, pretty clean game, only one yellow card each, a couple of offsides and six corners versus three. I mean, that is, that's a story and a half right there. And if you look at the XG and it's 4.71 versus 0.08 and now you're like... All right, I can basically look at the stats and I can easily, you can just talk about the game just based off those stats alone. So, and it's nice to see, I mean, like I think it's it's Chelsea's highest XG of the year in the WSL. So, um, I mean, 4.71 XG, they scored five goals. I mean, they outdid their XG even. So it is what it is, job clean and clinical, as we said. Yeah, I guess to, to dive into these talking points a little bit, is there, 
Is there a Jesse's stat of the week, or are you or are you taking this week off due to the so, enormity? The Jesse stat of the week was uh, something. This has been quite hard this week because obviously the game was at two, and we're recording at five, so it was yeah, quite sure. time constrained. What I wanted to look for, um, and uh, you know, if anyone who's listening has the DL, maybe this can be a task this week. But I wanted to try and figure out. So Sam Kerr scored a first half hat trick against Birmingham last season as well and so i was trying to find out if she scored the most first half hat tricks ever in the wsl hmm. but i haven't been able to find i haven't been able to find that out so if anyone listening wants a task this week if you can hit us up on twitter let us know if this this was true you can make this your own stat of the week i will hand you my crown for one <laughs> week only um go wild i'd love to find out now now we have to get that crown in production is what we have to do um <laughs> Look, I mean, guys, we're, we're talking about a, a kind of straightforward win for Chelsea here, but um, it, it was a bit of a, a bumpy road for Birmingham this week, Craig, so I want to bring you in. Um, obviously, the team is is not playing super well, uh, but uh, parted ways with, uh, with Scott Booth this week, who's the manager. I mean, can you give us a little bit of detail as to what's been going on at the club? Yeah, sure. Um I think in terms of the pitch, uh, team on the pitch at least, I think I've enjoyed the football more this season than last season, despite all the issues we had last season. I think the problem was this season, while we were looking more like a threat going forward, we were just too open at the back and making too many mistakes and errors that are costing us, and ultimately it costs Scott the job. And I think they've acted quicker than I'd expect them to, to, to get rid of him. I don't think necessarily he's the main issue at the club. Obviously there's issues still. We have um, facilities issues, apparently, that they still aren't prioritised over academy teams and younger groups um, in terms of training and stuff. Um, I think, again, it, it's it's the third season in a row now where Birmingham City have had pretty much the whole squad leave in the summer, and it's it's, it's still an issue where if you keep if you've got no consistency, uh, the team's going to struggle, and eventually, if the budget's not big enough to to cope with it, you're going to struggle, and eventually, you're going to go down. And I think. It's it's an issue that's been going on for a long time now, and I don't see anything changing anytime soon. Even though they've appointed a new manager today, at least in the interim, after the game. Oh, okay. Um, who who is the new manager? Uh, it's Darren Carter. He used to play for Birmingham City uh, men's team back in the day. He's um recently he was I think he was a coach uh, player coach at Solihull Moors men's team, and then he was obviously uh, with West Bromwich Albion women uh, in September. He's only been there two months, but he's obviously got this job now and. Uh, It'll be him, and then in his uh, backroom staff, he's going to have the existing coaches currently at the club, as well as uh, Marcus Bignot, who was also Birmingham City manager back in the day. But uh, obviously, more recently, he was with the uh, Aston Villa setup, where um, taking over from Gemma Davis last season. So it's an interesting one for him to come back in a, in some sort of capacity, but not as head coach himself. Uh, well, one player who uh, maybe didn't have the best day for you guys was was goalkeeper Marie Hurahan. Uh, she did not look uh, confident in goal uh, most of the game and ended up palming a lot of things out, um, you know, essentially giving Sam Kerr some easy opportunities to, to capitalize on. What are your thoughts on, on her performance so far this year? Was this just a bad day at the office or is this something more indicative of a, a longer season struggle? She's not been the first choice for most of the season. It's been Emily Ramsey who's came on loan from Manchester United, but I think 
she's got more experience than Emily Ramsey, and I think in a mm. relegation battle that we are, that they're going to pre- prefer uh, Marie now over Emily going forward. I think Emily's been costing us points, not necessarily because of her, but because as someone who's a young goalkeeper is making mistakes, I think when it's okay if you're like a mid-table side, you're going to give them um, experience to make these mistakes and get better. But I think the situation where we are in at the moment, I don't think it's uh we can allow that sort of mistake and obviously if we can't score goals at the other end if you're conceding like a major cha- uh, major uh, um chance to the other team every single week that's gonna cost you games and i don't think we're in the position again uh as you said marie didn't have the best of games today i think she was a bit more nervous than she was in recent games but i think you need that sort of experience in this battle considering we've only got two main goalkeepers i think she's the best be- best of the best of the bunch at the moment really I'll, I'll pivot over to our side because I think, you know, contributing to the nervousness uh, for her and is probably some combination of Wright and Cuthbert and Fleming, Kirby and Kerr and all these attacking players that Chelsea uh, were, were kind of straight out of the gate with. Justin, do you want to talk about their, their performance and maybe just the general offensive flow and how it looked today? Yeah, it just felt like from from the very start, they were really, really up for it. Um, and Nick, you kind of mentioned like how that's not something that we've necessarily seen, that like real fluidity, that dynamism. Um, and I think definitely it felt like a stark contrast to to some of the matches we've seen, particularly against, and I'll put this in inverted commas, because, you know, but like lesser opponents, opponents we'd be expecting to beat um, because of the kind of golfing resources there. Um, but recently we've kind of seen us struggle to break down those sides Leicester Villa Savet midweek um but it felt like from from the very moment we kicked off here that this was like a chance for these players to I guess kind of like really like show again like what they can do when they're at the very top of their game you know something I've been I'd pick out is something I've been really impressed with is Jessie Fleming and her ability to slot into that front three because we associate that kind of dynamism with Kerr, Kirby, Harder, the way they all move in and out of their positions. But for Jessie Fleming to come in and kind of occupy Harder's role and still and also still be able to do that is something that I feel like has kind of been overlooked in some of the discussions. We talk a lot about her, you know, her quality, her hard work, etc. But that kind of like positional fluidity and awareness is really something that I feel like you can't by a lot of the time like it feels like it's a very innate to her so that was something that really stood out stood out to me today but yeah um definitely in that that first kind of 20 30 minutes i thought they looked really really good well abdullah let's give fleming her roses here right um you know obviously she has the absolute dime of an assist uh for for kerr today but overall was just it seemed like she was everywhere to me uh you know she was covering immense amounts of ground and putting a lot of pressure on the Birmingham back line what, what were your thoughts on her overall performance of course we're going to talk about Kerr and Kirby and, and dive deep into them but uh thoughts on Fleming no I think I think every week now we're coming on here and we're just kind of finding new new things to talk about with Fleming because I think now that we're finally seeing her play consistently I think we're starting to finally see that quality comes through and especially in a in more of a fixed position in a sense where she's getting used to playing this position out on the left. And I think that's benefiting her and we're seeing the best of, of Jesse Fleming come out. You know, we've seen her score, in, you know, in the last few games and that's a consistent run now, you know, uh, another assist here today. And I think she's just, I'm kind of just going on what Jesse said. I think it's, it's, it's very underrated the fact that we look at how she's come in and you've almost... I'm not saying that we've forgotten Penela Hada, but you've almost come and be like, all right, you know what, Jesse Fleming has come and fill those shoes and, you know, you're like continuing kind of to an extent where she left off, right? And and 
that's only a good thing because then if it comes down to it late in the season, you need to get somebody on. You know that Fleming can play that position and it's always nice to have that option there. And, you know, we've talked about what is Jesse Fleming's best position. You know, she's she's making a case that maybe it could be in this position. But, uh, you know, realistically, we could be seeing her playing in any one of those places. And, and, and again, these, this game time is good. Like we've been harping on about game time, game time, game time. Now she's getting it. Um, obviously, international break comes now. Maybe this is a chance. Hopefully, after this, Harder comes back fit, and then she, you know, she'll probably slot back into the team. But it's now realistic that we can, you know, you, you we maybe we'll see Fleming start more games even with Harder there. And I think it's it's conceivable that we start seeing Fleming coming on as first sec, first sub earlier in the match rather than ten minutes to go, five minutes to go, seven minutes to go. And I think that's indicative of of the the progress that she's had and finally showing you know, the, the talent potential that we've been seeing for such a long time now. Yeah, I'd, I'd also pass the ball over over to, to Jesse for <laughs> for a little bit of thought on Girl Wrighton, who I think is is continuing her upward trajectory this season in this left wing back, uh, or I guess left forward, basically, role that she's adopted. I mean, what what are your thoughts so far, Jesse, on, on the way that she's kind of adapted? I mean, we, we talk about her, it seems like, every week now in terms of how she's contributing to the overall game and the offensive flow. But for, for me, she's becoming more noticeable in every match, you know, just how close she is to, to the offensive attack. So maybe give us a little bit on, on girl writing. Yeah, I think, you know, look, girl writing's always been a quality player and obviously it was hard last season when she kind of dropped out the team and I think lots of people kind of flagged that as something that that seemed like a real shame but the this position just seems to suit her down to the ground I think obviously these kind of matchups against a team like Birmingham works really well for her because she can just push up and get get in that front line um and then when she's up there it it makes it a lot easier because she doesn't have to turn around and and go back and do as much defensive work. But I think the other thing that I will say just generally is I feel like even in those games that we've seen against higher quality attacking teams, you've not really had much to notice with her defensively, which I think is the best Mm. you can ask for your wingbacks. She doesn't feel like someone who's like way out of position. You know, the only only real moment that I can really um, pinpoint is the, the Juventus goal in the Champions League. And I think as we've discussed before, there are a myriad of other things going on in the defensive line there. So I'm not sure you could even pin the blame entirely on on her. But, you know, I think there are bigger challenges to come, but it's a great it's a great way to have her in this team. And it does feel like this position just suits her so, so well. And again, I think also it offers Chelsea a lot of natural width when maybe last season that's something that we were missing by kind of playing those like real inside forwards. Um, and I, I just think... You know, she's so good. Her left foot is is amazing. And when the way she can put balls in and the way she can link up with players is, is really important to this this side. On the flip side, Chelsea do keep a clean sheet, uh, which is obviously, you know, with our uh, change of formation, not always been the case this year. But, uh, Craig, I mean, I think your team, Birmingham, really focused on set pieces in this game. I think it's where the, the biggest opportunities came from. Can you maybe talk about at least in theory, how you guys were, were planning to attack this Chelsea backline and, and if you were identifying any areas of weakness? Uh, there's not many weaknesses in Chelsea, to be fair. But um, <laughs> I think in terms of what they were trying to do, they were probably trying to 
use the taller players that we have got in the play- the team. Obviously, Gemma Lawley came on. She's quite a tall player. She's quite young, but she had that one cleared off the line towards the end of the game, at least. Um, but yeah, I, f- I think it was always going to be tricky to get uh, goals today, but I think it was just to try and get the ball fr- quick- quickly from back to front, using the more skillful players such as Jade Pennock and uh, Via Tricky, sorry, to potentially get get around the defensive lines but uh, it didn't turn out that way today. Craig what do you do you think just touching on Birmingham again changed changed in that second half because you know we've kind of talked here about you know how forward footed and fluid and attacking Chelsea were but really what we're actually talking about that is is the first half in the second half it kind of felt like even though Chelsea were were on the ball a lot and were getting the ball forward, those like spaces just weren't opening up. Like, what what do you feel like changed changed at half time around that? Uh, he he uh, the the interim manager well the interim manager today um, so Tony Elliott the uh, assistant manager um, he took off Lisa Robertson in midfield and brought on Lucy Whip who hasn't really played a lot this season but I thought she was really good in the midfield last season so potentially she helped break the play up a bit more in the midfield as well as. Uh, Cecilia Sandev uh, went off and then um, Gemma Lawley came on in the defensive line just to allow Harriet Scott to move over to the right-hand side of the defence so possibly just to reshuffle the players but I think the midfield is primarily where they they adjusted the most with Lucy Whip coming on so I think probably Lucy Whip was the difference in the second half as well as Chelsea potentially taking their foot off the gas a bit because they were uh, already 4-0 up at that point. For, for Chelsea, this is our, our fourth consecutive clean sheet. Again, this is you know, a very good positive direction that, that we're heading in from a defensive perspective. Obviously, uh, Jess Carter uh, is, is still in the back line due to the injury to Anik Nowen. I mean, Jesse, knowing that she wasn't a part of the, the team today, are we thinking that her injury might be a little longer term than we originally anticipated? I don't know. It's quite, it's quite hard to judge. Um, I honestly feel like my assumption was that... that we would want her back for the FA Cup final and she will mm. play that. And I still kind of think that. Mm. But, it, you know, I guess maybe she obviously played midweek. Like, it, it's just it's just quite a strange, strange one because personally, it, again, I don't want to, like, carry on hitting this over the head. But, again, there were, like, moments... If you had to pinpoint a player where there was moments today, it's just the same story every week. So, for me, it just feels like it's clearly not a long-term thing, but I can't figure out when or what that is happening. Well, we are going to take a quick break before we celebrate Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby uh, on their uh, really great displays today. Uh, And we will be right back. Thanks to the sponsors for supporting the show. Reminders, per usual, uh, we're here every week. Uh, You'll be hearing this on a Tuesday. We will be on Monday or Tuesday every single week. So please uh, come back for more week in, week out. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts if if you have a moment to shout out the Chelsea women's team. That would be great. If you're looking for a deeper connection to this team and to the club, uh, join us on Patreon. We have a Discord server with a ton of passionate Chelsea women supporters. So please join us there. Okay, we're back into it, guys. Uh, Sam Kerr has a hat trick. Okay, she earlier, you know, or last week signed uh, a, a contract extension until 2024. Uh, what impact, Abdullah, do you think that this will have on the squad through the rest of this season, right? I think it's impossible to project how it will impact next year or the following year but how how do you think it's going to impact the team right now 
I think I mean I think it's just positive news, right? I think the 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 ambiguity of getting into January, February, and not knowing whether Sam Kerr is going to stay next year or not may not really affect people directly. But I think it kind of puts a doubt in the back of the players' minds: going, is she staying? Is she not staying? You know, what does that mean for the future? And as much as you can't help but want to focus on the now, there's always a party that's always going to think if not the long term, at least the immediate future in the next few months. And I think Kerr kind of signing on and staying, I think that means that, I think it just kind of sends a message across to everybody saying, right, she's serious, she wants to stay, she wants to win, she believes in the group. And I think that just puts more faith and more kind of brings the team more together than it already was. Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, it's like, uh, you know, it, it can have a positive effect on on signings in the summer because then, you know, players look at it and go, all right, Sam Kerr signed a new contract. She's going to be there for at least a couple more years. So I get a chance to play with Sam Kerr. Team is together. They want to build a project. And I think that just has a, you know, a nice knock-on effect from not even within the squad, but I think, you know, outside of the squad coming in. Jesse, do you agree with that? And how do you see the impact for a player like Beth England who – you know, I think is, is kind of second choice now and probably needs to get more minutes than she currently gets at Chelsea. Yeah, I think I think firstly, Kerr signing a new contract is really exciting, but it's funny because it does feel like a bit of a surprise. And actually, I think Beth England's position at the club is one of the reasons why it felt like a surprise because definitely my assumption always was was that, you know, Beth England had signed like a really long-term contract. I believe it was last season. Um, and obviously, you know, stayed over the summer. And to me, that kind of indicated that she or the club kind of knew that Kerr wasn't necessarily going to stick around. So it was a bit like, yeah, you are probably going to play second fiddle for a season or two, but then she's going to go and you'll be number one again. Obviously now with this contract signed, I feel like she is probably going to look to leave. And I think she should look to leave because she's way too good to be a second choice striker. Um, and I think if she has ambitions of starting for... Um, England long term she again really needs to play every week but again the problem is because she's got this quite long term contract that Chelsea are going to sell her um, and we know like fees in the women's games can can be a bit strange and you're looking around at clubs and you're thinking well where does she actually go City already have two number nines and have their own problems with figuring out which one of them to play uh, United similarly they signed a nine in Martha Thomas over the summer Um so, you know, I don't know if Beth thought about that or if that was like open to her, but I think United could really do with a player like her, but who knows if they would look to move for her. They've also got Alessia Rousseau, obviously, as their kind of first choice. Um, then you've got a team like Arsenal, which I guess is maybe the most interesting one, um, just because depending on whether Miedemar stays, her contract runs out at the end of the year. That's always kind of been an assumption that maybe she's ready to move on and, and whether whether Arsenal would look look to someone like Beth, who I think would be a very decent replacement for Miedema. Um So, yeah, I think Beth England is probably not long for this club, sadly, um, which is a real shame. But I think ultimately, as much as she's a fantastic player, Sam Kerr is top two or three strikers in the world is just still a different level. And, and that's just the way it goes sometimes in club football, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is kind of a, a situation where you're spoiled, right. For, for choice. And I don't, you know, if you're Beth, you probably feel hard done by here. And because you were player of the season and you had a bunch of goals before Sam showed up and, you know, you help lead a team to a title and, you know, there's just all this positive momentum behind your story. And then, to get uh, kind of jumped by 
someone like Sam Kerr, who obviously is just immensely talented and can help this club kind of elevate to the next level, uh, isn't great. Uh, it, it probably feels, again, she probably feels hard done by, but it is football. I mean, this is kind of what the top clubs in the world do, uh, both men's and women's. And, you know, if, if there's an area where you can improve, you try and improve and you try and win. So, um, you know, hopefully there is a positive end to her her story at Chelsea, whether that is just her contributions through the end of the year or, you know, how, how she kind of leaves things with the club. Because I don't get the sense, Jesse, that Emma will leave things poorly with her. I, I think Emma is like a relationships person, right? I think she's a relationships person, but I don't know how good their relationship is at the moment. Yeah, fair um, enough. But yeah, but it's just a tricky one because because like you said, as much as Emma is a relationship person, Beth England's a competitor and, and she'll want she'll want to play no matter what. The thing that's kind of amazing and it, and is absolute credit to her is how despite the fact that she barely plays for Chelsea, she still comes out really really well. If you look in you know last season's goal scoring charts, this season's goal scoring charts, especially if you're obviously if you're getting into per ninety stuff. Um, so she's obviously still got it, you know. I, I think sometimes the frustration from from my end as well is is maybe I feel like, and this is understandable, I guess, if she's not playing regularly. But sometimes when those opportunities are afforded to her, it doesn't always feel like she's amazing at taking them. Um, you know, I know we might talk a bit about Savet later on in the show, but you know that again, that was like case in point really. And I think we've seen that again in some other games in the WSL. I'd really like to have seen. Beth genuinely state a claim for being like, either you should play me with Sam or you should be looking to play me over Sam more often. And I actually don't really feel like we've seen that this season at all. No, definitely not. I mean, and it makes it harder when Sam gets a hat trick in the first half today. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a world-class player who who is, is showing up and showing out this season for Chelsea. Uh, she has three hat tricks in the WSL uh, since 2014. Only Miedema has managed more hat tricks than Kerr, which is five. Uh, and, you know, she's been at Arsenal for a much longer time uh, than, than Kerr's been at Chelsea. And look, uh, Kerr also has uh, six goals, uh, so two hat-tricks against Birmingham City. Craig, we're sorry um, that she's a bit of a buzzsaw for you guys, but but certainly uh, is is coming into her own against, against Birmingham. And I, I don't know. I mean, the, the goals today were were relatively straightforward finishes. Um, obviously, the, the pass from Fleming to open up uh, the, her scoring today was great, but just reflex actions for the for the header after the save right I mean, it's just stuff that a world-class forward would do abdullah uh, what were your thoughts on her goals today and, and how she might be rounding into form a little bit uh, i think they were well taken i think all of them have been you know in 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 each each goal i think was reminiscent of sam kerr as we've seen her at chelsea and maybe to an extent what we've seen at the chicago red stars before that as well um I think again one one of the best strikers in the world obviously I think her her overall play has you know if anything I think it's definitely improved over last season not that it was bad last season but it's just like you know, the standards are so high that I feel like she's taken her, her 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 game to another level in terms of the way she's kind of building up with the team and I feel like this this switch into the 3-4-3 that we've been seeing I think playing with Ker, uh, Harder and Kirby a lot closer to her I think is has kind of enforced her to, or kind of forced her to 
kind of use them a lot more than she would in the old system where maybe she'd be playing a little bit more on the shoulder and kind of running in behind whereas this time it's it's asking for a little bit more intricacy a little bit more passing and i think that has really um made her such a more dynamic and well-rounded uh player that um you know, I think it's I think it's enabling her to score goals, but not even just that. But I think it's also getting her into better positions within the box. And I think just just the just the you know that Drew Spence shot into the deflection into into for her hat trick goal. I think that's just an example of where she just found she just knew where she had to be, anticipating the you know the rebound and then just kind of scoring the goal, uh, scoring the goal from there. So I think I think overall I'm I'm excited to see how how she she plays going forward. And and you know we we get a couple more years of Sam Kerr. At Chelsea. Craig, I'd be interested to see, you know, as as someone who follows women's football, writes about women's football and isn't as Chelsea biased as we are, like where do you see Sam Kerr kind of ranking in both forwards in the WSL at the moment and kind of on a on a more long-term view looking at, you know, strikers we've seen across the WSL generally? Yeah, sure. Um I've been watching Sam Kerr since she was still playing in the W League as well as the NWSL. So I think the fact that she was top scorer in both Australia and America sets her apart as one of the best strikers in the world alone before she went to England. But then the way she perhaps didn't start as well as scoring as as other strikers at the time, but then she found the rhythm when she linked up better with Fran Kirby when she came back as well. I think she's right up there as one of the best in the league. Obviously, I think on a day, probably Vivian Miedemar is just a bit better, but then, but then again, she's at the moment she's not playing, she's not scoring as many. So maybe uh, Sam Kerr is perhaps slightly ahead of her now in terms of on form uh, in the WSL right now. I guess uh, Abdullah, do you agree with that? Because I mean, she's currently top of the goal scoring charts with nine and eight, scoring one every fifty five minutes, which is a ludicrous number. Um, what are your what are your thoughts? Is she edging out Mitama finally, who I think has kind of held that top spot for for some time? It's it's a tough one because I think ever since Sam Kerr signed for Chelsea, the narrative has always been Kerr versus Mitama, who's the best striker in the world, and then you know everyone's like, you know, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And I think both of them have really, I think the competition between them has really up their games, you know, respectively for each other. Um, I would say at the very moment in terms of form, I, I agree with Craig in, in, in saying that I think Kerr is just about there just because maybe uh, Miedema is not scoring as many goals. Not that she's not scoring goals at all, but she's not scoring as many goals. So maybe Kerr is maybe that half a step ahead of Miedema right now. But honestly, it's so difficult to kind of pick between the two, you know, uh, you know, without without anything, you know, keeping it as neutral as possible. It's really difficult. Both are fantastic. Both on their day could score like three to five goals without even trying and you know you um you know you take it from there but uh, no i think i think right now yeah i'd agree sam kerr is probably just half a step better than uh, better than than me at this very present time but you know what anything can happen week to week i think ultimately they're very different players and very different strikers actually and i think you know, I think it's very tempting and, and easy to fall into the Miedemarka debate. And I understand why, because it, it's fun in some ways to talk about. But they, you know, I think Sam Kerr just is, not that Miedemar can't do this, but her like poaching ability in the box is is just something that feels like really unparalleled with the chances that the Chelsea create. Whereas I think, you know, Miedemar's probably a lot more of a skillful striker of the ball. Um, you know, I think she can hit it a lot better than, than Kerr can, but I think it's just, it, it's been 
amazing and, and long may it continue to see to see both of them in the same league because I do do think between the two of them they've probably got one and two tied up whichever way around you put them as, as best strikers in the world. How dare you try and have a nuanced discussion on a podcast about two players who may share one one attribute but do it different ways. Damn it. But also Sam Kerr forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, another player that we will hold in our hearts forever, Frank Kirby, who has scored her 100th goal for Chelsea Football Club, uh, Blue Flops comes in and says Frank Kirby is now the 11th player in history to score 100 goals for Chelsea. Of course, that's men's and women's players uh, combined. But what an absolute incredible achievement for Frank Kirby, especially given, you know, Abdullah, where she was a couple of years ago, unsure if she was ever going to return to play at the highest level for Chelsea. And now just over the last couple of seasons, just absolutely firing Um and getting her 100th goal just maybe wax a little lyrical about her achievement. Oh, man, where, where do you start with that? I mean, you just you look at what kept her out for a couple of years and to make a comeback like this, scoring the number of goals that Fran Kirby has scored and the way she scored them and the consistency behind all of it. I mean, that's 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 beyond uh, imagination to an extent, because, you know, you look at players that come back after these long term uh uh, you know, long-term injuries and, and, and you know, you they take a while to ease back in. Ring rust is a real thing. Um, and, you know, you, you have a you have a thing where they, maybe they take one, two, three, four, maybe even a month or two before they really get back into the groove. I mean, for example, you just look at Ada Hegeberg right now at Leon. She's, she's only scored her first goal three, four games, at, you know, three, four games in, and she's still feeling her way back. I mean, to be, she was, she was also out for a very, very long time, but you look at that and then you look at Frank Kirby and you're like, wow, you know, Fra- Frank Kirby has just come back and slotted it into two different systems and has equally played excellently in both these systems. So I think there is, there is no, um, there's no words for it. I mean, hundred plus goals for Chelsea. I mean, she's, she's, she's bleeding blue right now. And, um, you know, from, from here we, uh, from here we, we just go on and see whether she can make the next hundred and I wouldn't put it against her. Craig, what did you kind of make of, of Kirby's performance today in particular? I mean, I kind of picked out that that first goal, I think because there were four after. It feels like we've kind of forgotten about it, but that was like a really, really sweet strike. Yeah, I agree. I think often you, she's not always the the main focus of it, but she's always involved in the in the building when you when you score goals. And I think the, the way that she can dance around the front, front line as well as in, interlocking with all the... Fleming as well as Kerr and stuff. Um, I think she's just that perfect player to link everything together for Chelsea. And obviously, she produces great finishes like that first one, as you mentioned, where the keeper makes a slight mistake and then she hits it in the corner before she has a chance to regroup and get in position. Yeah, I think that that goal and that finish was was so good because as much as you feel like, as you just said, Craig, the you know the keeper kind of like palms it out, but to most players who get the ball palmed out to them in that position, they're not going to just hit the opposite corner with the ball like that. Like she took it so, so well. I, I think it's goal of the season right now for me uh, to this point. Wow. I mean, I, that is I love, very highly rated. I love that finish. I mean, I just, one, it's hard because it's not, it's not like she's taking the ball, controlling it and then putting it where she wants to. It's kind of on the fly. And two, it's just a beautiful it's just deft. It, it's not rocketed into the corner. It's just something where she's like, yeah, here's just a little chip and it's in and now I'm good. Like it's just skillful. And and I think that makes it to me one of those finishes where I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's just it shows you how good of a player she is and where 
where she sits in Chelsea lore, right? I'm looking at the all-time goal scorers for Chelsea. Of course, these are you know the first the first ten are, are all male players, but Lampard, Tambling, Dixon, Drogba, Bentley, Osgood, Greaves, Mills, Hazard, Hillsden, first ten. She now has more goals for Chelsea than Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank did, or Gianfranco Zola, or Idrika Johnson, Dennis Wise, William, Anelka, Kalou. Like these are all names that I think would probably be surprising to those who don't follow the team as as closely as as you guys do. And to me, shows her class because I mean she's been at the club for a while now. She's missed a significant period of time and still got to this milestone. And I, I think it just needs to be celebrated. I, you know, I was, I was very happy to see as many folks on Twitter today with the, with the super fran 100 uh, hashtag as, as humanly possible. And, you know, again, she might get overshadowed because she's not the pure uh, Kerr Miedema striker type, but again, if she, she's reigning player of the season for a reason, she's doing, everything she can to help get this offense up and running for the year, Jesse. And I think is probably on track to be player of the season again for us. Yeah, I, I think so. I just feel like her attitude on the pitch just makes me laugh so much all the time because she's so supremely talented. She scores so much, she creates so much, but she's constantly berating herself and everyone else for everything that's going on the pitch. And I just... I love that about her, you know. I love that that constant drive that she's so open about, like that she always wants more. She always wants it to be better. She always believes it could be better. And it's easy when you're at the top to to rest on your laurels, to think, you know, we've got this game in the bag. But those sticking to those principles, always trying to give more, is how when you're in a harder game, you keep going, you know. That you've got to do it all the time to be in the habit of doing it all the time. And I feel like she really drives that within the team more than any other player. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious, obviously, you know, Abdullah, when, when Pernilla Harder comes back to see how everything kind of rebalances, right? Because I think up until her injury, Pernilla Harder's carried the, the squad through some difficult points in the first part of the season. Now you're starting to see Fran and Sam get back on the same page a little bit um, in, in her absence, which has been crucial, right? Because you need those those offensive contributions to come through. But what are your thoughts on how maybe the the triad regroups when, when Pernilla's back in the lineup? I think it's I think Pernilla will be happy just because then she can be like, well, you know what? Somebody else can take the goal scoring <laughs> last minute, 95th minute burden off my shoulders. No, I think uh, I think it'll be good. I think it's it's I think it was a weird it was a weird mismatch of form. I think in the beginning it was like, you know, while, you know, Kerr and Kirby were still scoring, it was like they weren't in the best of form. They were still coming back from their holiday blues. Sam Kerr, I'm looking at you and uh, Christy Mewis over that holiday. Maybe it took it too long, but, you know, um, <laughs> but I think now that they finally got in the groove, they played a lot of games i think it's it's just kind of picked up pace and now uh, you know who knows maybe it's not going to be harder who has to catch up to to them in terms of form and fitness and everything but i think it's it just it just it just bodes well i think hard as a world-class player who will i think in no time get back into the group of things um and and i think i think it's going to be scary for you know whoever they you know whoever uh comes up in those next in the next month or so because then chelsea get their you know, their front, strongest front three, and that is a scary proposition for anyone, you know? And it kind of ties in well as you get into the, the business middle middle part of the season. Absolutely. Well, and we're going to kind of round this out with a little talk on Lauren James because I think we've all been kind of waiting uh, to see when she might 
make her debut for Chelsea and and how she might fit into this team, right? Because it's it's a bit of a she's kind of a bit of a tweener type of player, whether she'll play on kind of a wing or or in the front three. So uh, I guess Jesse, talk a little bit about how she got her debut and then maybe some of the minutes that she got today. Yeah, so I I wonder if she was expected to get more minutes against Savet in midweek. Um, Reese was in the the crowd to see her make her debut, and I did wonder whether he thought he was going to see her for a bit longer than the ten minutes she did. But uh, unfortunately, um, because we were rubbish against Savet and the game mm. was quite nervous, um, she, she yeah she only got ten. But I felt like when she came on it actually felt like it was exactly the kind of player we needed. And I I think I've spoken about this before on Twitter, but I do think when we talk about Chelsea struggling against these low blocks, having a player who's really going to be willing to run at defences to take players on. You know, we've got players in our squad that have the kind of quality to do that, but it's not really many of theirs, like, first instinct, I think, is to take the player on in front of them. It often is a bit more to look for that, like, kind of pass and move overload situation, whereas Lauren, it feels like literally the first thing she wants to do is a number of stepovers and, like, dance past you. Um, so I thought she looked really good in in that game. I mean, she had... A, couple of good opportunities to score but it was quite clear that her her touch was still a little bit rusty but she has been out with injury for about six months I think at that point so so we can forgive her for that and then you know today she came on got got 23 minutes um and I think it was kind of you know same thing she's she obviously wants to work really hard for the team which love to see great quality but what I really liked today as well was how good her link-up play already looked with Sam Kerr and you know she got the the pre-assist on, on Chelsea's fifth goal and you know she created a number of other good opportunities for the team and I think obviously it kind of is showing the benefit from having waited that little bit longer not only to get her fit but because obviously she's been playing with training with the team for you know a number of weeks now um but that those relationships have actually already formed at Cobham on the training pitch so that when she is coming into games, she's also like feeling confident and, and ready to play with players. And it feels like she can really hit the ground running, which I think would have been a maybe a bit of a worry if she'd just gone straight into the team. You know, she's a very young player still. It's easy to feel out of your depth in a team like with as many good players mm-hmm. as Chelsea has. So I think really just, okay, we've only seen her play 30 minutes, um, but it felt like those two like little cameos really vindicated what Hayes has chosen to do with her as a player. And I'm just so excited to see more of her. All right. Uh, Craig, any thoughts on Lauren James? I don't know if you've seen a whole lot of her when she was at United, but just wanted to kind of see if you had any general thoughts on her style of play. I think she is clearly a very, very talented player, but I don't know if she was consi- as consistent as Man United fans would have liked at the time. And obviously, I think Chelsea bought the potential where she's not quite there as a um, complete player yet, but I think in the future she will be. Obviously, she'll need game time to do that, but hopefully she gets that at Chelsea or if not on loan before Chelsea get to see the uh, fruits of the labour, a bit like when Beth England went to Liverpool and then she turned her career around again. Is that, Abdullah, is that track with you? I mean, yeah, but I think at this point we've, I mean, I, that's, that's, that's an option as well. And I don't disagree with that in any way, shape or form. But, um, you know, I think we've seen, um, if, I think if Emma Hayes wants 
you look at the Jesse Fleming example, we're seeing we're seeing the fruits of uh, you know of that coming out now. I think if if Lauren James is 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 patient, you know, you might get an injury here and there. Then suddenly you can run, you know, you can you can stake a claim to start in the game for a run of games. And let's not forget, I think there's there's a lot more games now than there were say a couple of years ago. So I think there is just about enough minutes to be able to make these rotations and and be able to come in and play meaningful minutes. Yes, the squad needs to be trimmed maybe a little bit, mm-hmm. but you look at it over the summer. If for example the the Bethany England theory of leaving this summer happens Lauren James automatically gets promoted up to that second choice striker slash you know coming into that front three so um I think we just need to see how the summer window goes see how the rest of the season goes and then if she's starting to get more and more minutes in this in this window then I don't see a reason for her having to leave and if if Chelsea lose a couple of a couple of four players then you know she gets her she she'll probably be you know first choice off the bench second choice off the bench all right well let's let's move to wrap this one up here because I think we, we have a little bit of looking ahead to do and a little bit of shouting out to do uh, in terms of standout performers. Uh, we, we put out our Twitter poll. Again, the whole team played well today. So this is, you know, we're spoiled by choice uh, on the four options. But we went with Sam Kerr, Fran, uh, Girl Wrighton, and Jesse Fleming as kind of your, your top performers. Uh, overwhelmingly for Sam Kerr on a hat trick, which you understand for sure, uh, in, in first place with, with 59% of the vote. Uh, Super Fran 100 comes in uh, at around 35%. Grow Wrighton and Fleming at a paltry 3.2% each. So I think we kind of know who the stars of the show are here. Jesse, who was your player of the match? Yeah, I'm gonna, I've got to give it to Fran just for the the 100 goals. You know, I think... I think all four, honestly, all four of those players had great games, and and actually giving it to any of them would have been justified on the game alone. But I think in terms of momentousness, um, yeah, it's, it's got to be for Fran. Abdullah, gotta go, Fran. Right? I mean, just that that performance alone was was high quality anyway, and this is something that we've come to see of Fran Kirby over the last couple of years, and to kind of score the hundredth goal is 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 uh, is is a is a great achievement. So gotta go, Fran. I'm going to round out the Fran hype train here. I, I think that finish, her first goal was, again, just so, so beautiful to me. And I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of her continued success. So let's hope that she's on our path to 150 and that we close that door as soon as humanly possible because that would be very good things for us. Uh, looking ahead, Chelsea have been away from home for, for quite some time. It was nice to get back to Kings Meadow over the last week. Um but we're heading into a damn international break. And not only is that troublesome for, you know, getting back into league form, but we come back, Jesse, and we're straight away into the 2020-2021 FA Cup final against Arsenal at Wembley on the 5th of December. Uh, it, it's wild. I'm actually fuming. Like, <laughs> it makes me feel sick, for one, just like, just general nerves. And two, just like, seeing how we play when we get back from international breaks is not always good and that scares me um so yeah the only thing i'm happy with is that emma hayes seems to have banned panila harder from going away to denmark sorry denmark i'm hoping that she's not actually like that injured and it's more just like wants to make sure that she could play the fa cup final Mm -hmm. so i'm just gonna be Praying every day that no one else gets injured. Um, if anyone goes near Frank Kirby in an England game, I'm going to scream. Um, and I also hope Sam Kerr smashes the Americans. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, Abdul, what are you looking for? Because this this next week, actually, the, so 5th of December, obviously the FA Cup final, which is a massive game. 
the uh, 8th of December. Uh, a tough one as well. We play Juventus at home in the, in the Champions League, which, you know, could determine, you know, how the how the group kind of ends out. Right. Um, it, so it is it is kind of a big one there. And then we have Reading away on the 11th of December. And we we the London is Blue podcast may be going to that game uh, live. So woo, sneak preview. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the Juventus game, Abdullah? Because I think, like, again, emotionally, the team could be spent coming out of the FA Cup final, the international break. They're going to really have to get up for that. I know, 100%. I was actually going to say that, for me, that's the that's the pick of the games in that week, just because I think for two reasons. One, I think I absolutely spot on with the with the whole, like, mental fatigue, just because they would put, they're going to put a lot on that Sunday. And then a couple of days later, they're going to have to go to, they have to play host Juventus. And... I mean, Juventus have been playing really well, I think, this group stage. I mean, they beat Wolfsburg uh, the other week, you know, last week, and I think that was a good performance. And they're trying, kind of showing everybody that, you know, even under duress, like that they had against Wolfsburg, there were moments where Wolfsburg were on top. They still managed to come out and, and, and get three points from there. And I think, I think, I think again, it's another one of those, it's, it's a good test. But, you know, we're going to have to wait and see how this Chelsea squad, once again, can it cope with two back-to-back games against two top-quality opposition Um and you know what? Like, I don't know. I actually don't know what's going to happen that Juve game because Juve are in good form and uh, it could go either way. I mean, I think I think well, obviously a win is 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 the best. I, I, I think I think getting a draw after a game like Arsenal would be a really good result. And we only need a point to qualify from the group. Obviously, we want to top it because I don't want to go anywhere near Barcelona in the next round. But it is also nice to know that we've got, you know, one point from the last two games, and we'll, we'll at the very least qualify. Uh, rounding out December, right? So Juventus on the 8th, Reading on the 11th, Wolfsburg on the 16th. So we're coming right back into the middle of the Champions League, Fuhrer after that. And then uh, on the 19th of December, Chelsea host West Ham, which is the last game of this calendar year. Um, and so then we're, then we're into January where we host uh, Spurs and uh, go to away to Ever- Everton on the 16th of January. Okay. So uh, table, live look at the table. Arsenal still on top, 22 points to Chelsea's 21. Gold diff is is also very close on 23 and 22. Today obviously helped us kind of boost that up a little bit. Uh, Brighton in third on 15 points. Spurs on 14 points in fourth. And West Ham uh, in fifth on 12 points, tied with United, um, but have a little bit of a better gold diff. So uh, Manchester City finally... It seems like for the first time forever win a WSL game, uh, sit in seventh, Reading on eighth, uh, ninth is Everton, 10th Villa, 11th Birmingham, and 12th Leicester City with zero points. Poor Hannah. Um, just not not having the best of years here. But um, look, I guess any final thoughts, I'll toss it over to Craig first since you're our venerable guest today. Uh, what are your thoughts in general on on where the league is this year and, and just you know how your team can uh, can continue to improve? Well, it can it can improve quite a bit, but um, in terms of the league, um, I've I've been really impressed by Brighton. I think mm. Hope Powell is shown that um, when when she came in, she obviously had no club experience, and the fact that she's managed to produce Brighton into a team capable of finishing in the top four just shows how good of a manager she is. I think Tottenham have surprised me this season. I thought, given how they did last year, I was surprised that they're doing so well this year. But it's good to see. Um, and yeah, it's 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 surprising about Man City, but you you've probably talked about that in the past, how they've um, just started very poorly. But yeah, it's um, as you'd expect, really, with Arsenal and Chelsea, uh, there are thereabouts at the top as well. Jesse, final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, as I kind of said, just 
hoping that everything goes well with the international break. I'm really pleased that we've closed the goal difference gap with Arsenal. Um, mm. It obviously doesn't mean it's going to stay that way, but that's something that we've like spoken about before. But like getting a couple of big wins, it now feels like we are genuinely like in touching distance. And in some ways, that makes me even more nervous for the FA Cup final because I feel like whoever wins that is going to take a huge psychological victory into the rest of this WSL season. Um, I think especially if it's Arsenal because it means they'll have won two from two against us this season. So I hate that this is why it's crap to have an FA Cup final in the middle of a season because normally you're like right at the end so it doesn't really like impact on what's going on. But it feels like extra stress that not only will we could we have to deal with the shitness of just losing to Arsenal in an FA Cup final, but then also knowing that they're gonna like be massive egos for the rest of the season about it. So, um, if you see me at that FA Cup final, I just <laughs> honestly don't know if I'm gonna be like watching. I'm gonna just be watching like through my fingers like this. Oh. Hey, have have a little have a little faith. Come on, I think I think we're gonna nail the the final. I think we're gonna come back really strong in that one. And I don't think Emma will be lacking for motivation after the opener in the season. So um, I'm I'm gonna go with a little bit of a more positive approach, which my uh, colleagues on the, on the the main show will find to be very annoying, considering my negative take on all things men's football. <laughs> um, however, Abdul, you get the final word on this one. Uh, how how do you see uh, the next you know kind of month going because it's a it's a massive month for Chelsea. A massive month. I think this I think this could potentially decide where the title goes and where their aspirations for the season in terms of trophies and and kind of where they end up uh, kind of go because obviously like we said FA Cup, Champions League qualification in WSL games and. I think if they can if they can get more wins than draws, uh, I would say in this that or, or losses, then I think you know they're going to come out better. I mean, the ideal situation is smash Juventus, beat Wolfsburg, top the group, beat Arsenal in the FA Cup final, casual, and then just take. I think realistically, you could take all three points from across Reading, West Ham, Spurs, and Everton at this point. Maybe Spurs, depending on their form by that point, but. This is the very, very, very optimistic outlook. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think I think that that FA Cup Juventus game is it's too close together. And I think maybe in the first half of that, there's probably going to be some drop points. But um, in which league and where, I don't know. But I think something might happen. There. But otherwise, I think towards the end of December, they should be able to pick up those three points. And whether it's at, Wol- it's at Wolfsburg, West Ham and Spurs, I think we should be fine there. It's just the first couple of games that need a little bit of uh, a watchful eye. West Ham did just beat Spurs that just went final, so they're going to leapfrog them into fourth. Um, so, yeah, it could be a very interesting month, and let's hope that Chelsea are, are using today's result to uh, to move it on forward. Uh, that's going to wrap us up. Obviously, if you're in the States and you're listening to this on the, on the Tuesday, have a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, have a, a very safe holiday, and then we will be back next week for an international break extravaganza of some sort that we're going to plan as we go so uh take it easy everyone until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the flag flying high